G'day, it is Gardening Talk back with this on Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here with uh, Scott Sharp. How are you doing, Scotty? We're pretty well. We've got the toaster going here with our hands over it, but oh, no, it no toast boring, in it. <laughs> You'd be loving this cold weather, though, if you're going skiing soon. Oh, yes, it was uh, well, touch and go there before, but now it's looking pretty good. Very good. Now, yes. what have you got planned for us today, Scott? I thought this uh, week we'd talk about uh, pruning lemons and spraying them. Uh, raising and staking your roses. Also, there's a brand new uh, Bambino fiddle leaf fig out and mistletoe cactus. It's, I guess, sort of wintry and stuff. We'll talk about mistletoe as well. Lemons, you've got to love them, don't you? If it's cold, you're sick, you can squeeze them into your tea, make everything lovely. When life gives you lemons, absolutely. Make lemonade. Yeah. My little girl decided that she just wanted to um, eat them a couple of weeks ago, like an orange. Oh, really? Yeah. That, so that was a surprise. Said, no, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> but she did give it a try, and it was horrible and bitter, as I probably warned her about. But yeah, that's the other thing with lemons. But it is, uh, you know, I had some very nice customers in from uh, New Lambton on the weekend. I was talking to them about their lemon. And uh, they said to me, oh, look, Scott, we hear you on the radio. We know you're always talking about you should keep your lemon tree to a, you know, to a decent height that, you know, it's not too tall. And I thought I'd, I'd just talk about that again today because it is an important thing, I think, with your citrus. Yep. I always say with citrus, only keep them to, uh, you know, a height that you can basically reach. So just above head height is always a good place to prune your citrus back to and keep it a nice, big, rounded shape rather than this, you know, horrid, big, tall, straggly sort of tree yeah. that gets out of out of control because if your lemon gets out of control and starts to head up and up and up all the new growth's only you know up there quite high all the flowers and the fruit only come on the new growth so it's up too high as well you can't pick it in the end it just you know ripens it falls off hits the ground it it rots then you've got fruit fly and all sorts of other problems so it is a good good thing to keep your lemons down to a nice sort of compact shape you'll have more than enough fruit on there to feed you know yourself the neighbors you know your relatives and and half the neighborhood uh so yeah just just keep them down to a nice a nice height Uh, about an arm's length maybe reaching up i think so yeah yeah at the most you can spray you can uh, you know you can keep it under control you can get your fruit off there it's not a problem uh, now the other thing to do they had very very bad louse scale all over their their lemon it's just like a white uh, you know little dots all over it yep. and you can get that on roses as well so you just have to make sure you're spraying with anti-scale what had happened with these nice people is that the louse scale had actually got so bad that the bark had started drying up and it was cracking and they had to then get some steri prune to spray and uh, you know sort of seal up the cracks so no other pest and disease could get in there uh, they, they'd been using copper oxychloride for scale and I said no and then you can't do that so <laughs> copper oxychloride is a spray that you use for fungal diseases on plants uh, so if you've got an insect um, problem you need to use you know malathion anti-scale depends what it is what sort of insect but definitely if you've got a fungal problem only use copper spray for that or mancozeb but you can't use your copper uh, for an insect problem so we'll just reiterate that keep your lemons down to a nice height and uh, i think you'll have a much better citrus plant we do have warwick on the line how are you doing warwick yeah, good afternoon, gents. How are you? Very good, mate. Keeping warm? Yeah, very much so. In front of a fire, it's quite pleasant, actually. <laughs> we, we, we might turn off the toaster and light a fire here in the corner of the studio, maybe in the waste paper basket or something like that. Yeah, yeah, That's keep it safe, safe. keep yeah, it should... safe. Yeah. <laughs> Look, my question is regarding um, treated pine um, logs that you can buy from, you know, hardware stores yeah. and the like. Yeah, don't, don't put those into the fireplace, mate. No, no, I know, exactly right. Uh, you don't, don't uh, burn those. But to, to raise a garden bed with those and um, any issues that there might be, with the chemicals leaking into the soil for a veggie garden? 
I, look, I, I believe there was uh, issues in the past, uh, you know, when they were treating them with arsenic, and that, that was some yep. time ago now. And that, that all came out in the media probably about, uh, you know, five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and since that time, they've actually, you know, they've started treating with, di- with different chemicals to, uh, to preserve the wood in, in those. So it's my belief, uh, my understanding, that it is still safe to use those uh, right. now for uh, your vegetable gardens. I would just make sure with the, uh, you know, the person that you're buying them from, uh, mm-hmm. Just make sure that that, that uh, you know the one that you're getting is actually safe for that. Uh, right. but again, I, I wouldn't see any problem with doing that. The thing that with uh, when you're raising your garden bed up like that is mm-hmm. that uh, you know it can drain very quickly. You get a lot of leaching out of the soil uh, yep. of the fertilisers. So you're always having to make sure that you know you're well watered and keeping it well watered and uh, well right. fed at the time. Uh, so look, I, I'd uh, to my knowledge, I think it's okay to use those now. I'd confirm uh, with the manufacturer or the person you're buying it from. Right. Uh, is there anything in particular that I'd need to be looking for that would be contained in that uh, in the chemicals? Uh, look, I, again, I would just ask. It would not surprise me, in fact, if they haven't got a, an MSDS, a material safety yes. data sheet. Uh, and, and on those sheets, they're very, very informative. And they'll actually tell you, give you all the information about, uh, you know, when, where you can use the, the, you know, especially with chemicals and things, about, uh, you know, where you can use them, the application that you can use it for. So I'd, right. I'd investigate that. It would, I'd be very surprised uh, that the, uh, the person who's manufacturing those logs hasn't got uh, you know, some sort of technical information that you'd be able to access. Available, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's great. And I did hear that a couple of years ago that uh, that was the case. And I'm just going in and raising a few veggie garden beds now. And I thought, well, I'll uh, find out what I can and, and go from there. So I thought you might have been the ideal person to ask. Excellent. Thank you, Warwick. Yeah, yeah great. Thank you for your help. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much, Warwick. Now we've got Jan from Nelson's Bay. How are you doing, Jan? I'm really well, thank you. That's very good. What can we help you out with? Well, um, I'm looking at sort of building a little terrarium. And I was just wondering what plants would be best to put in there. Oh, that's that's perfect. I think all we should, on a cold day like this, all we, mm. all we, should, yeah. we should, have, should have people ringing up about tropical plants. That's all the question. <laughs> just, just to make us feel warm. That's all we... <laughs> I feel better already. We could just imagine that we're here, we're sitting in a jungle right now with, a, with an open fire in the waste paper basket and a toaster. That's, that's what we've got at the moment to keep us Can we warm. have a margarita or something Fiji? as well? Oh, well, yeah, Fiji, there we go. We'll have a, over in the other corner, we'll have a lapping, some lapping waves. It'd be fantastic Yeah, oh, that for sounds us. good. Yeah. I've got a glass of water if you just around. No worries. Yeah, well, you see, I live in a fairly small apartment and I do have a balcony with the usual palms and things and impatience and, you know, and I found, I was going through my garage, as you do, and I found an old a fish tank I yes. had. And uh, it's not like your old round ones with not a lot of room. It's, you know, it's, it's a square one that's quite, I thought, gee, a couple of plants might look nice to me. And but- then I thought about a terrarium, which takes me back to a long, long time ago. <laughs> so, that, that, look, that's perfect. And, look, I, I, I was mucking around then. But, yes, in, I know. In, in fact, the, the plants that you do want to put in terrariums are those sort of tropical plants. They love the right. humidity. They love the warmth. Uh, yeah. they, so they like you know the moisture keeps on circulating around them, and there's a yeah. number of different uh, plants you can use. Usually, the best thing to use is to you know try and find some small leaf indoor plants. Yeah. And some ideal things to use uh, are, uh, I was just making a quick list, then you can use parlour palms, so you can get that little tropical look. Oh, yes. And they yeah, only keep, yeah. I've got one at home, they only keep small leaves. I've had it for about two years now, it's all quite compact. Oh, okay, yeah. You can get uh, very small leaf uh, peace lilies or spaths, some people call them, so they're, they're excellent for that as well. 
Uh, oh, I've got a normal piece of lily, yeah, yeah. okay. Some of them yeah. have got larger yeah. leaves, so I'd go and probably get one of the, the smaller leaf varieties. They're very good for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a plant called Nerve Plant, Fetonia, which is, uh, gives you some colour. It's got yep. a little, it's a sort of got red colour through the veins of the leaf, so it works quite well for you too. Of course, look, there's, there's maidenhair ferns, there's syngoniums, yeah. peperonias, yeah. they all look very, very good, uh, in, uh, terrariums, so, uh, you know, try and what and... sort of, what sort of base do you have? So, like on the bottom. Usually you're best to have a little pebble base down the bottom and then just have oh, yeah, a yeah. very good potty mix. And the reason you have the pebble base is if you've overwatered it slightly, then it yeah. will actually drain down and just sit like a little reservoir down in that pebble area. Yeah. And, uh, then, it, yeah. and then it can be sucked yeah. up later on by the plants. Now, if you want to do something a little bit different, you can also yeah. uh, use it and have perhaps, you know, a cactus outdoor garden. They will work well in a terrarium, not with a lid, of course, and you'd mm-hmm. have to have it in a, in a higher light area. And the other thing yeah. a lot of people have been doing, uh, they've been using air plants, you know, tillandsias and bromeliads, and they're fantastic uh, to use mm-hmm. in indoor situations. You don't have to water them very much. You can just go in there with the mister. And so you yep. get, a, you get a, a, you know, a completely different look out of, uh, out of your terrarium. If you've got any little miniature dinosaurs as well, you can stick them in there and make <laughs> it look like... I've got a couple of little turtles, yeah. A couple of little turtles I've got. <laughs> and maybe a palm tree. <laughs> No, that sounds good. So I just wanted to get a bit of an idea because I, I was just thinking, what am I going to do with this you know, fish tank? And I thought I didn't want to throw it out. And then I thought, no, I'll, I'll ring you up and see what you think. Oh, well, the other thing you could do is, uh, you know, you could just get a massive, you know, tuna or something like that and just keep it in there and swimming around. <laughs> that's, that, that's the other thing. I'm, I'm full of good ideas today. Oh, look, it'd be very hard to take him for a walk, though. <laughs> it would be, yeah. And they like, well, they, thank you so much. <laughs> your average tuna likes to get out as well, so... <laughs> I don't think Nelson Bay would be the same again. <laughs> no, but I think tuna is smarter than goldfish, though. So Are they? they? Oh, I'm sure. Five they. second memory. Yeah, maybe. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that, and I'll pop along to my garden centre and have a chat. Thank you, Jen. No worries, yeah, Jen. thank Cheers. you. Bye-bye. Thanks Bye-bye. very much. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7 for this Monday afternoon. Scott Sharp here with me, with Greg Richard. Now, Scott, you mentioned something earlier about figs and these bambino figs, was it? Yeah, the fiddle leaf figs. I have never come across a plant, and I don't know if this is because of social media mm-hmm. or not, but in all of my time, and it's ticking on there a little bit, I've never come across a plant that has just generated so much interest and so many phone calls of people wanting it. And I, I think it could be because of, of social media. People are yep. passing the information around a lot. There's, uh, it's got a pretty cool name. It does, doesn't Bambino. it? Yeah, yeah. Sounds like one of the five families or something. Called. <laughs> it does. And, uh, and, and it does. It looks like a fiddle when you see it. So it is, it is quite a beautiful plant, but it is just generating so much interest. And I think social media, Facebook, everything's, um, you know, pin interest is, is just carrying it around. People are seeing, you know, designer ideas from overseas and what people are coming up with here in the game. Wow, that's the plant I want yep. in my house at the moment. And it does look spectacular. And the great news is that uh, there's actually a dwarf variety. It's called Bambino Fiddly Fig. Mm. Uh, and it, it is. It's got a slightly smaller leaf, but it still has the same striking effect as the normal fiddle leaf fig. But it's, it's, you, you can see it in its growth habit. It's, it's more compact. It's a lot, it's a lot fuller. Uh, look, to me, it, it appears to be a much better indoor plant uh, than the normal fiddle leaf fig. But that said, if you've got a tall area, uh, the fiddle leaf fig also you know, 
creates a very striking uh, uh, you know, plant to have in that space as well. Uh, they're very difficult to come by. Uh, fortunately, I was down in Sydney last week and I um, found some of them and I bought up every single oh, one that good. I could. Yeah. Snatched them up while you could. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not against cornering the market on things like <laughs> this. <laughs> so I, I got a whole lot of these bambinos and the beautiful fig, fiddle leaf fig and they are a fantastic plant. Now, people have been coming into us and they've been saying, oh, you know, we've got them and, and you know, a couple of them have died. And <clears throat> pardon me. I think one of the important things to uh, to do with the figs is to not put them in a saucer of water where they're soaking up water and they're sort of staying moist and damp and wet. Yep. They like, you know, to have a drink, but they like it to then drain away so that they haven't got wet feet. I guess nursery people call it wet feet. and They don't really like wet feet. They also like, a, you know, a fair bit of light. Uh, so, you know, so if there's an open window with light streaming in, not a very low light situation. Uh, and because they are really an outdoor plant, so they do need a fair bit of light. Uh, you know, a really put them in a nice white ceramic pot or something like that. And they, they just look spectacular in the house. But, yeah, definitely don't put them in a saucer of water. Make sure they are being well watered, but not sitting in those sort of soggy conditions. And you'll have a fantastic house plant. I think the Bambino is going to be even better as a house plant. It's lovely and compact. And uh, you could even have it on a desk or something like that in an office. It would work quite well. Yeah, fantastic plant. Right, yeah. So what sort of pot would be the guy then or just... Oh, I, I was just saying for appearances sake, you know, I was getting all sort of... Uh, uh, home decorator there. Oh, okay. you, could, <laughs> uh, you know, blokes like us, obviously we've... You oh, know, yeah, we're pretty yeah, sophisticated we're bunch of fellas. Look at us. I mean, look at our dress sense. Uh, you know, we've got it all worked out. <laughs> People that pay, you know, thousands of dollars for boots like mine and the way they've been, uh, you know, the patina on them, it's they're all dirty that's, and stuff. That's naturally scuffed, isn't it? Or? It is, yeah. I should, I should get these on eBay and flog them off <laughs> to someone in Paddington. <laughs> Uh, look, I was just talking about putting them in a nice white pot because it's a beautiful contrast between yep. the, uh, you know, the, the big shiny green leaves and a shiny ceramic pot. Look fantastic uh, in your house. Now, it's got pretty windy out there today. You mentioned something about roses and not really big fans of the wind, are they? No, not really. I've, I've, actually, with that song, then I want to talk about Magnum P.I. all over oh, again, but I can know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I will talk about standard roses because I was out doing some pruning uh, on uh, Wednesday on a very cold Wednesday afternoon last week. And the, the people that I was out pruning for, they had some really beautiful standard roses. They're a bit overgrown. That's, that's, you know, by the by. But what they had is they had star pickets in staking them up. And yep. that's fine. But what had happened is they'd actually left the star pickets sort of up above the graft. So, they, you know, with a standard rose, there's the nice long, tall stem and then the rose spreads out from yep. there. And what had happened is they'd actually had the star picket up above where that, that graft is. And the rose wasn't growing, you know, nicely. It was, its, it's shape was a bit skew whiff. It's a pretty technical term there, I know, but it's, it's just worked for you and I. <laughs> so the shape was a bit skew whiff. It was growing up against the star picket. It was, it was rubbing. There was, you know, it was just a place for pest and disease to start to get in. So when I got back to work and I noticed some, we'd bought, we'd staked up our roses that we have for sale this year and um, we'd actually stake them a little bit up like that as well, just because the stakes we'd bought were just a touch too long. But that that's fine for in a pot and for a short period of time. Yeah. So what I've been recommending to people to do if once they've bought the roses is to actually make sure that the stake goes down below where the bud, where the graft point is, uh, because you don't want that sort of ungainly growth habit of the rose. 
don't put it too far down that you know the top of the rose is going to start swinging around and snap off but make sure that if you are staking your roses that they're just below the, the bud point you know, where, where the, the rose has been budded off it's very important also when you're staking your rose don't tie it off with wire and things because again these people's roses that I was pruning on, on uh, Wednesday they tied them off with all manner of wires I, I don't know the bloke oh, must okay. have been an electrician or something like that or just too many cable ties or something or? yeah something like that but what happens even Cable ties, they uh, they actually as the rose grows, they just and the rose is moving around in the wind. They cut into the stem of the rose, yep. and it's it's effectively ring barking the plant. So it's not a very good thing to do. Either use jute webbing, budding tape, or if you've got some old stockings or even old t-shirts, you know, just something soft, just some cloth or something. Or yeah, even a bloke uh, yesterday at work, he said, "Oh, can I use electrical tape?" And I thought to myself and said, "Well, you probably can use electrical tape because over time it's going to stretch out and yep. deteriorate and you know break as the rose grows as well." And that's fine. But the main thing is you don't even have to stake your rose incredibly tight. So even if it can move around with the wind just a little bit yep. uh, so that, uh, you know, the, the root system can strengthen as well, that's an important thing to do. And that's a general thing with uh, all plants. Don't stake them so tight that the root system doesn't have anything to do. The other thing I was going to talk to about roses about, and customers came in yesterday, I'm, you know, this is what happens when I'm at work and I'm talking to people, all these fantastic ideas pop into my head. Uh, as, t- as time goes on, they start to, you know, they put manure and soil builds up around the base of the rose. And this is just a normal bush rose. And you have that little vertical point of the rose where the rose is budded onto. And if it starts to rise up too much, it can start to get collar rot around there. So at this time of year, even if you want to, you can actually dig your rose out and raise it up again so that it's sort of sitting up above the soil. Uh, so that nice little vertical stem of the rose is up above the soil uh, before it gets down to the root system. Right. And then over a couple of years, you know, you'll start building up the poultry manure around that again. I always get nervous when I've got to dig a plant out, though, because I don't want to smash into the roots. No, but it, the, the, it's like if uh, you went off to sleep right now, we could do all manner of things with, <laughs> with you. You know, we could have you know, your finger up your nose and all that sort of stuff, and you wouldn't know what was going on. It's, it's, uh, it's like that for a rose. They're, they're dormant. They're asleep. So, yep. you know, if you want to, you can, you know, stick the thorn up the nose of the rose sort of thing at this time of year. You can do anything you want with it. As long as you make some nice, you know, clean cuts of that root system and try and take as much soil as you can, it's fine to you know dig your rose out you know carefully give it a give it a prune back at that time and replant it at a better level uh deciduous trees as well if you've just had a deciduous tree in for a short period of time you know for a year you can dig that out as well this time of year and replant it restake it of course but certainly when when deciduous trees and plants are uh, dormant that's the time to move them around very good it is gardening talk back on two and you are at fm 103.7 we've got graham how you doing graham pretty good thanks that's great how can we help you, Graeme? Uh, Scott, I'm having trouble with um, my passion fruit. Yes. Yeah. It, the vine was chock-a-block um, full yep. with passion fruit. And all of a sudden, when they're starting to get right now, they um, swirl on up and just rotten off. Yeah, we find this a bit more with passion fruit, and I think it's the you know the wonderful world of you know the wonderful world we live in and the vagaries of nature that uh, passion fruit are, you know they they they're flowering they'll you know set fruit at weird and wonderful times and then all of a sudden it gets to this time of year and they've had a late set of fruit and it, they just won't ripen for you and so it gets cold like it is now and that's naturally what the plant's going to do it's just going to let its fruit shrivel up and you know fall off off the vine for you I wouldn't be concerned about it mate. Um, it, it, 
at this time of year, it's probably not going to ripen up anyway. I'd be more inclined to actually go and thin that out and pick it back off the plant. And once it gets back to spring, hopefully you'll get another flush of flowers and everything will work perfectly and uh, like it's planned to do. It's just, you know, we get weird and wonderful things happening with, with our climate now. You know, it gets hot sometimes and all of a sudden it's cold and the plants, they get confused. They don't know what to do. Yeah, they have beautiful passion for it. Yeah. You know, they look, um, you know, real healthy there and all of a sudden, you know. So uh, uh, cut them back. Cut it back. Uh, take Pick any of that, that fruit off. I'd give it a good old feed in a couple of weeks' time when it starts to warm up. Uh, make sure you're using potash because... Potash, yeah. Because obviously you want flowers, you want fruit, you want those passion fruits so you can, uh, you know, take them in and, you know, make them, put them on top of the pavlova you've probably made as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, look, that's that's the main thing to do. Uh, at this time of year, it's not going to ripen up anyway. Even if they were to ripen, you know, it's not going to be particularly sweet. They're probably going to be fairly bitter because you need the sunlight to, to get all those wonderful sugars in the plant fermenting and doing all that, you know, spreading around and making that lovely sweet passion fruit taste for you. So um, yeah. anything at this time of year, yeah, pick it off and get ready for next season. Yeah, so pick it off and just bring it back, cut it back and then, you know, because I thought I might have to pull it out. But. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't go and do that. If you've got a nice, healthy plant there, don't, don't go and do that sort of thing. Just uh, feed it back up, cut it back, and uh, you'll be right. Yeah, righto then. Thanks okay. very much, okay. Scott. Cheers, Graham. Yeah, bye. Here's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM, and we've been talking about roses this afternoon, and Diane from Bellbird, you've got a question about them. How are you doing, Diane? Scott, my husband would like to know, is it time to uh, prune the roses up here now, or is it still a bit too cold? Yeah, Diana, I'd I'd wait just a little uh, bit up. You're a bellbird, are you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, look, just probably a little bit too chilly up there. I'd I'd just wait a couple of weeks. Now, the reasoning for that is uh, that after you prune your rose, generally within a week or two, you'll start to get new shoots coming back out. It just gets the message that it's time to reshoot and regrow and, you know, keep on staying alive. So if you do that up there at your place too early, what will happen is, you know, you could still get a late frost or, you know, it's just, you know, at the moment, it's just um, still too, yeah, generally. Also another question. I was, I'm busy in the kitchen, but I heard you talking about standard roses yes. and the estate that you put in them. Yes. Where, where, what height should we have them? Yes, I was just saying that make sure you have it just below where it branches out. Don't have it sort of sticking up through the middle of the branches because it starts to inhibit the way the plant grows and it, you know, rubs against it. I always make sure that the stake is just down below from where it branches out. That way it's got the strength so it won't fall over and, and break. But it's uh, you know it's it's not going to wreck up the the growth of the rose, uh, and so yeah if you prune your if your husband prunes, prunes the roses too early the new shoots will come out and it'll just burn off and uh, oh, it'll do a, yeah, do and a lot of damage to the plant. Can you please tell me what that plant is that Benbena or? Oh yes, now we were talking about the fiddle leaf fig. It's the, it's most commonly called, and there's a new variety out called Bambino, and it's a dwarf variety, uh, much more compact, uh, but still almost the same size leaves, just a little bit smaller. Looks fantastic as an indoor plant. Oh, thank you. I'm busy in the kitchen. I've got you on, but I'm just hearing bits and pieces. Oh, we, we like to hear about people in the kitchen. It makes oh, us yeah, feel warm down bag here. Right, cut, baked rice, custard, apple oh. sponge, all that sort of thing. Oh, see, I can hear Greg's stomach rumbling oh. from over here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you, Diane. No worries, Diane. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Now we have Wendy from Adamstown. How are you doing, Wendy? Hello there. How can we help you, Wendy? Scott, I... I bought, I bought some scale and mite insects 
from you. Yes. And I did the camellias last Saturday and last Sunday. Yes. Now, because we've got such bad weather and they're not going to be done maybe till the end of this week. Yes. Should I then follow, follow it up again? Yes, when you've got a very bad case of scale, and usually camellias do get very bad, sort of little hard, waxy louse scale on there, it is important to um, to, to back it up a- again. Uh, I usually say, you know, do it one week, uh, then do it two weeks later. And then even if you wanted to, you could just give it one more follow-up in, you know, another month or so, just to make sure right. that you've got it under control. Very difficult to get it under control with camellias because it gets in underneath the leaves as well, and you have to give it a really good dousing all over. I mean, on the packet it says, you know, follow follow up seven days. But if I leave it till, you know, you know, two weeks, it'll be all right. Yes, I, I don't think that's a problem at all. I, that's what I usually recommend at work. Uh, you know, do it as soon as possible, then two weeks later, and then usually that that follow up about four weeks after that. Oh right. When when the packet said seven days, I thought, oh, we've had such a bad weekend, <laughs> and today I thought, like, oh, I'm not doing these trees. No, no, that that'll be fine. Uh, yeah, you don't want to do it when it's windy and you know it's going to rain. It just, you know, you need to. Have have, uh, fine, at least, fine weather. Yeah, five, you know, at least five hours, uh, you know, of dry weather afterwards. Right. And so you don't Thank want it windy. You want, you want to do it when it's nice and still, so it's not misting around all over you. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you. Wendy. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you very much, Wendy. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 when you are at FM. And Scott, before you do, leave us for today. You were mentioning something a bit about cactuses earlier. That's quite strange in the middle of winter. Yeah, it's called cactuses now. Well, it's called mistletoe cactus. This one, it comes from Chile. Uh, some people, it's the botanical name's Ripsalis vaxifera. <laughs> I, t- I hope you pronounced that correctly. <laughs> well, I've just taken a big deep breath again after I pronounced it because it went on for a while. Uh, but it does. It looks like mistletoe, and it, it's a form of cactus. It just You can have it in a hanging basket. It looks fantastic in a hanging basket. And it just sort of trails down. Eventually, it gets flowers on it. It's, it's sort of almost like a spider. That's another way of describing it. Okay. Um, a beautiful plant. It, it'll grow in uh, you know fairly shady areas. Uh, it'll grow out in the full sun as well, although I noticed in it's, as it's been getting cold at work, it's been sort of going of almost a nice red colour as well. So that, that's quite attractive with it. Uh, but look, a beautiful, easy to look after plant. You don't have to water them very much, you know, once a week if you're lucky with those, uh, oh, okay. yeah, those sort of cactus. So, yep. um, you know, for all the bachelors out there, there are... You know, <laughs> All those, young, all, the, yeah, all those young blokes just leaving home for the first time and they want to have a bit of greenery around the house. You know, Cactus are fantastic for them. <laughs> Sometimes you'll see, you know, you're at work and mums are coming in with their, you know, their, uh, obviously their, their fledgling sons who are about to leave <laughs> the nest. And, okay, son, we're going to buy you a nice house plant. And I always go, go over to the cactus area yeah. because you know they're lucky to get water every two weeks and they'll still survive. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are at the fam. That's all we've got time for today. And, Scotty, you're off next week. Yes, I'm going to have a week off now. We've uh, been, uh, Jude's obviously, she's cryogenically frozen, so she doesn't reach the age of 70. (laughs) And uh, we've started out the thawing out process. So over the next week, we're going to be thawing her out. Uh, You know, she'll start a little bit of movement. We'll eventually see some breath on the top of the capsule we've got her in. And by next Monday at uh, 12 o'clock, she'll be here. Um, She'll be a little bit creaky, but uh, she'll be here to answer questions. As long as her head's working, it should be all fine. Well, yeah, we'll just just plug the electrodes in there and get it going. She'll be right. Don't worry about it. Cheers very much, Scott. Enjoy your week off. Thank you. And we'll have Gardening Talk back again next Monday.